All right. So that was a good warm up five minutes. But you know, all, all kind of crazy things happen in this plat on this platform on this show. There've been sometimes I've you know popped out of the thin air or jumped from the roof. Different costumes, but I move all the costumes to the other part. Check out tour for cartoons. Um, Christmas special on the way. Well, actually, when this comes on, this can be January. So you already seen the Christmas special. But without further ado, this is the Negus of Nassau, Saint Anton Alexander, Lord Jalen Willett, at your service on another episode of Everything Cool. And this is cool. Yeah, and this is where we dropped a little intro. The tourists come over to chill on the beach But they don't come over the hill where we sleep We got nightmares and they got fantasies No sanity, it's just insanity My mommy hoping nothing happens to me Now we back. We have a very great guest, a young phenom. They say he's you. You gotten the whole Sydney Poitier um, comparisons, right? Yeah. <laughs> they love doing that, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so we have none of the. Let me please introduce yourself. This is Reginald Gibson. I go by Mr. Gibson now. I'm a film director and screenwriter with Holmes Rock Studio in Orlando, Florida. All right, I like Mr. Gibson. I was I even act like why you like it? Um, because I even have my own like when I really get into like a writing, directorial, producing mindset, I go by like my two middle names, Anton Alexander. So mm-hmm. I like if I write something, I put Anton Alexander instead of Justin Williamson. So you know, everybody has their own. For hey, sure, I, yeah. I, I convert into this person, but I convert into so many people. Sometimes it's Laura Jalen with it. Sometimes it's Jesse Sama. Sometimes it's whatever, how I feel like. But how you been? I've been good, bro. Appreciate you for having me on, dog. Of course. In a minute. Yeah. The crazy thing is that after I dropped the Kanan episode, which was... A lot of people love because Kanan coming here and we were spinning around in the chair doing all kind of foolishness. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie hit me and was like, but you remember me? <laughs> I was like, who you with? And he's like, yeah, well, you used to play ball. And I was like, oh, flip. I remember you was even shorter at that point. You mm-hmm. grew since then. So I was I, dead, too. I was dead. I wasn't that good. Because they was like, wait. Da, 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 da. I remember, remember Desmond, right? Yeah. Desmond was like, something you was doing. And they was like, wait. This way, arms almost by his ankle or whatever. My wings <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's when, like, that's what, like, the memory that came back. And I was like, oh, flip. And then I remember him coming to my work, the place that should not be named. And I was like, oh, my, that's your boy who was on the interview that Devante did. And I was like, okay. And I was like, hmm. I got to find out the story behind him and him getting into film because I don't, as a fellow filmmaker, I don't meet too many who really like go to film school. I mean, I do meet a lot, but I like meeting and sitting down and having conversations with because this is part of 
my you know crusade and trying to be a creator and trying to get my thoughts and ideas seen and elevate my status as a filmmaker um you know even though i had to take a lot of detours over the last mm-hmm. couple of years film is always my first love and that ain't won't ever change you mm-hmm. know but before we really get into you reggie we have a segment on this show called a Bahamian word phrase or saying of the day. Well, mother sick. <laughs> you like we had that a lot of times. Actually, I have a show called with mother sick. Check that out. Check out some mother sick. We we we. I might drop an episode before the new year or just catch it up in the new year. But okay, give us another word because everybody like to say either bay or mother sick. All right. Um, it could be a word, phrase, or saying. So it don't have to be just one word. Timing. Timing. For the international viewers, when a Bayman says timing, what does that mean? Oh, you asking me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. So basically, timing just means timing can mean a few things actually. So, but most most importantly, timing is just like patience. Something coming around the corner, you know. Timing. Hmm. I can get this job, but timing, dog, timing. Like I soon get this job. Yeah, for real. Yeah, but that like that bro. I always like riding. Is Roddy Rich have a song called Perfect Timing? Mm-hmm. Like I always like that. Like when I go on through something and I just feel like it gonna sort itself out. I always, you know, replay that song in my head. All right, Reggie, timing, timing. And this was perfect timing. He, he he reached out for the interview. We couldn't link up, I think, the last time he was home. But when you was like, oh, how we was talking? I think I commented on something. And I asked if you was in town. And then you was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, let's set this up and get this knocked this oh, out the yeah, way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, timing. T- perfect timing. Perfect. So, Reggie, tell me about your early life like what was it like you growing up obviously you from Nassau or you from um, Grandma? Nassau okay you from Nassau so what it was like growing up for you like you know going from primary school high school like when did I guess like the whole film bug sort of bite you that's funny because the film bug didn't bite me until 2021 Okay, so oh, that's when you went to uh, um, the do year masters in July twenty twenty one. So would you would you did your undergrad in uh, broadcast media? Okay, so what okay what so what prompted you to get into broadcast media? So see, I have to backtrack. Really. All right, go we going back in time and then bring us up to the, the present. All right, so childhood, I grew up in Fox Hill actually. Shout out to all my Fox Hill people. It was. It was really fun. I was more of an indoor kid, though. Although I played some sports, I was more of an indoor kid. I used to read the dictionary as a child. Okay. All right. That ain't that ain't a bad thing. That ain't a bad thing. That's yeah. that's amazing. My yeah. vocabulary was huge from when I was a kid. So I was also writing out all my notebooks. That's all my mom would have to buy me because I was just inside writing, 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 reading. My uncle would test me on the spellings, definitions, all that good stuff. Um, my parents had split, and then we moved in Michael, And that's when I went to... Well, I was always going to Bahamas Academy, by the way. So in grade 10, this is where everything shifted. So 
I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't want to be a filmmaker. Right? Right, but part of filmmaking is the writing. Yeah, yeah, but like, I didn't even think so of you filmmaking at the like time. An author. author. Okay. Yeah, 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 so I just wanted to write stories. And people would always tell me they could, they could visualize everything I was saying. I was always super vivid and descriptive. So I always wanted to be an author, a storytelling from the simplest form, just writing. Okay. Filmmaking was nowhere on my mind. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even know it was possible. So grade 10, one of my teachers, she asked me what I wanted to be in life. I said, mm. a writer. She shut that down immediately. Why? <laughs> you want to know what she said? What she said? Let me hear this. She said, that ain't a real career. What year this was? This was, all right, grade 10. So that was about 2015. That's crazy. She had that mentality. I heard that when 2009, when I was coming out of school and I was saying, yo, I really want to go into media. And everybody was like, what you going to do? You going to work for ZNSA? Yeah. Not knowing 10 years later how everything from like the social media came in and was like, no, you could do, you could learn this broadcasting, but this, this can apply to so many different things. The thing about it is you can't really blame them because they just don't know. They don't they don't see the yeah. vision, you know what I mean? And you never know if the reason they projecting those doubts and fears on you is because people in their life might have projected that on them and so that's all they might know. Mm. But that's what prompted me to really move and I, I went to Anatole Rogers for the for the new school year. And that was a big So you leap. moved from Bahamas Academy, and yeah. this, the teacher at Bahamas Academy told you this. Mm -hmm. And then when you went, then you moved to Anatole. So yeah. you, you moved to Anatole voluntarily, or? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was actually, okay, <clears throat> so it was more so, it, one was because I wanted to further my education. I didn't want to just come out of high school and then go straight to a job. I wanted to go to college. But... Another reason why was because financially, I felt like, well, not felt like, my mom was struggling mm -hmm. financially. It was like, at one point, four of us at Bahamas Academy. Oh, wow. And I don't know if you know about the school fees there, but no, it I, ain't cheap. Wait, listen, I went to Kingsway, and... So you know what's going on. Wait, I look, me and my brother, like, he actually coming back home for the first time in three years next week. Mm-hmm. And... We was talking about like Kingsway school fee used to be a thousand thirty five in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Most school fee now is two thousand a term, bro. I just like no bro. Yeah. Yeah, like it got crazy over like that's inflation for you, like almost over a hundred percent markup. Yeah, that's that's crazy, bro. But once I once I left and so I told him, I presented my mom with the plan. Right? Okay, so you chose, hey, let me help you and let me just go to Anatole one time. Basically, you know, my, my dad, he was he was in the picture, but he was in a Luther. He lives in a Luther. Okay. He would help financially, of course. We we always had a great relationship. But it was just my mom in the house. And so I saw all of that. I saw, like, us having to do layaways and all those type of stuff. And I just knew, like, Maybe if I move, that would ease the burden a little bit. Mm -hmm. Plus, I would also have a chance to further my education. 
So, so you think Anatole is a better school than BA? Because oh. that, that, that's the question that I was in the back of my mind. You're saying for a better thing, but then it's like, hold on. He went from a private school to a government school. See, and the, and the thing you know. the thing I want to clear up is a lot of people sometimes look down at people in government school. Yeah, they do. But government school, I really grew so much. And that's because I put myself in that uncomfortable situation. So, you know, government school have that stigma, gangs, violence, all of that. Yeah. So my mom was kind of a little... Shaky with that. And once I really like show, like I serious, I I don't care, I can go. She was like on board. She supported me. My dad supported me. And thankfully, once I got there, immediately I got to work. And like the the first time the report cards dropped, I got pulled into the office and they told me about this public school scholars program. Okay. And that's when I learned that, hey, this really happening, and I got to really lock in so I could get to where I'm trying to go. All right. So from that, it was like, okay, it sounds like you took your academics seriously from the jump. Definitely. So was it because you was in the house just always reading, and, you know, they always say the book, reading a book could take you around the world, you know, sort of brought in your rise in like places that you might not physically could go to these places, but you could learn about these mm-hmm. places like you seen it before, you know? Well, it was, it was cause I took it seriously, but also because my parents had a certain standard for excellence. Okay. And then I also set a, a super high standard for myself. And then I don't want to waste their money too. Yeah. So I was always, on top of what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Because I really understood it because <clears throat> we can get to the film part because mm-hmm. I saw one of them because I went to art school and I know because I, I graduated from the Art Institute of Atlanta in 2015 and right. I know for, because I wanted to go to Full Sail and saw SCAD because I was even thinking about going to SCAD to go get my master's but it was like pay that money, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, dude, it's like, yeah, like my parents helped me pay for my undergrad, but that two hundred thousand dollars just to do two years to be back in the two hundred k. Yeah, I think it was the program like scale program. I think either one fifty between one fifty and two hundred. Wow, and it was fun. like, yeah, I could try to get scholarship because I graduated with honors. I graduated like with a three point five or mm-hmm. whatever. So it was like I could apply, but then it was like, bro. That gave me too much. And then, like, where the job I was working at that time, I was doing things to where even if I was in the U.S., I wouldn't have these opportunities. So, like, working um, these days, like, not really in film, but more so in advertisement and marketing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, uh, does it make sense financially for me if if I can do this two-year master's, come out, then come here and then try to still get this job experience or whatever the case may be. That was just for me or whatever. But, you know, I know college, I, I just be looking at college. I'm like, when I have kids, wait, college tuition must be 300 kids on the road. Probably. Bro, because that's like, wait, like if it's like 150, 200 now, imagine 20 years from now, bro. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the scholarship program thing is a very serious thing, and I wish more um, students, not just, well, yeah, more students sort of took that secondary level 
education more seriously. Because it was like, you know, especially like in the Bahamas where if you get a couple number of PTC, SCs, you could go to COB for free. Mm-hmm. And like that could be a start. And then you just Definitely. move on. But at least you, you got a foot in the game, you know. But and a lot of a lot of high schoolers ain't really thinking about they ain't really thinking too long term mm-hmm. in high school. They ain't really thinking, all right, where well, I can go to college in grade ten. You ain't you ain't really thinking about that. Some, but not most. People thinking like, oh, we playing parking tomorrow or I guess. what I doing. We have PE tomorrow. Like you don't really thinking ten years from now. Most people. Yeah, most guess. people for real, and then that's why they get one day they wake up at thirty and they like. What I did with my life, unfortunately. You know. But so you, so basically, you was in the scholars program, and this allowed you to uh, get a full ride to your undergrad. Yeah, I got a full ride scholarship to Central State University okay. in Wilberforce, Ohio. But Wilberforce, Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So cool. Okay, so, so why you picked that school? Or that was the only school that was offering. Initially, I was going to Texas Southern University. TSU. Right. <laughs> I was going there initially to do engineering. All right. So, how you got to engineering? How you was going to go do engineering at TSU? So, when I was told I, I couldn't be a writer, looking up to a teacher at a young age, you don't really have that self-confidence yet. So... Me, I believe that that was law, basically. So at that point, instead of chasing what I wanted to do, I was chasing what's going to make money. Mm. And that's the wrongest place you want to be in your in your journey because you could really, like me, walk up and go all over the place. I think that's what a lot of people do. You know? Yeah. Because even when I went to film school, people was like, how is that creative thing working out? I'm like... I bet on myself. I know. I didn't know social media and this stuff with a blow, but it's mm-hmm. like I rather do what makes me happy. And, and I even though it's, I always tell people like it ain't easy being like an artist or whatever because it's sure. like it ain't no scalable thing. Like it ain't like oh I could do this, do a couple of years, get certain certifications, and then my pay scale go up. Like it ain't no. Now you basically have to make up your roles and make up your own experiences and negotiate your own money and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, but you know it's it's still a freeing experience. So when, so you didn't want to do engine. So why you didn't just do broadcast at TSU? Because, like I said, my mind was already messed up. So I went from engineering and then I went to forensic science. So I was just switching majors, but it changed. Okay, and I also didn't get to TSU anymore because they lifted the the tuition last minute. And so it wasn't a full ride no more. Okay, See what I'm saying? But Central State was the full ride. So I ended up going there, and that's when I went into environmental engineering. Started doing, like, I think we had, like, a little bit of gen ed physics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. no, that ain't for me, bro. Uh, so I switched to forensic science. And then after that, I ended up in my first year English class, and we had to write a narrative. And my professor, she read it, and she emailed me back all excited. She was like, 
oh, can I please use this story as an excerpt to show the other students how to write a story and all that, all that. And we ended up, I was like, yeah, sure. But she talked to me after class one day and she was like, this is a great story. What's your major? And when I tell her what my major was, she was like, no, you gotta, why, why? And so she just basically got my mind back on the right track that, hey, you you should be writing, bro. Mm. But Central State didn't have like that type of a writing program. creative course. Okay. So I just so did nothing the in the liberal thing. arts or nothing like that? Or oh, they didn't have a, like a liberal arts program? Because that's what that would fall under. Like No, I don't think they had nothing like related to that. No. Okay. They had like English, stuff like that, but not like none more creative, to be honest. Okay. Not really creative, but fast forward, I, I switched to broadcast media, ended up top of my class, well, top of my program, the broadcast media program. Um, won a couple awards, excellence, excellence in writing, Spirit Award, top junior scholar, um, like two or three scholarships. And then this where things took a turn for the worse. Well, not really the worst, but I told my favorite professor at the time, because I was basically his protege. He was he was um, a great journalist, and so I had like a lot of internships he put me on to, and I was just doing what I supposed to do. Initially, I was gonna go to the to try be a sports reporter, like with ESPN or something like that. I wouldn't mind doing that, but when I told him that I wanted to pursue my film degree, he was like, "Not many people make it enough field," and so. I was just like, like you too. Like every every single time, it was like someone trying to stop me. Mm. But that's fine though because they ain't see the vision that I had. You feel me? So, yeah. and I already went through that experience in high school, so it didn't really move me. It was more so just like I can prove you wrong. Mm. And my favorite quote, success is the best revenge by Frank Sinatra. I always live by that. So that was that was pretty, pretty So cool. because I think what I've experienced in my life, mm -hmm. when you do something that's non traditional and people don't have a roadmap for it. They always say, hey, don't do it because being one, you get broken hearted. You know how much times people tell me that over the years? And then not just with film, with, with a part like my daddy every day. Oh, you, you always spending all this time here. You always doing the podcast and it's like, no, but I see the business. I already see how the world turning. Or when I would sit down with major execs at different broadcasting companies locally, when I telling them, the future is streaming and all this stuff. They don't see it. And then the change happening and you plan to play catch up. Yeah. Or like, you know, so many different names, but it's like, because they can't see it. They just project that doubt on you. Where it's like, I already, because this is my passion and I have passion about this. I already have done, the, began to do already have done a lot of the legwork to understand what I'm about to do. So, you know, after a while, you just be like, you know, I remember Jayco say, if you don't tell them your dreams, they can't shoot them down. Like, you know. They can't. So it's like, I just keep to myself, you can just watch me, watch me. Every time 
you do something, oh, well, how this can work out? And then it work out. Oh, how this can do this? Then it work out. I know how to do it. Just say you ain't know how to do it. You can't say it and just accept that. Hey, well, if this person says they're going to do this and that, they probably know how to do it all. Going to go test it out. And then when we see this, it's just bad on them being successful at it. Yeah, and, uh, and then another thing is, it's positives and negatives in every single thing. There's risk in everything. And you right? got to like, be you know, willing to take those risks if you want. Nothing Nothing good happen, nothing big happen without a risk, bro. Exactly. We could we could go down the line of all like the everything people. have a risk. You like, got to take a risk if you trying to level up. Mm-hmm. And so just take that risk. So what's it like? What is police was? Where what? We, 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 went, we went to do your undergrad. Uh, we're before us, Ohio. What's that? That's a small, like, hick town in the, in the middle a of the A lot of cornfields. Cornfields for miles. Oh, wow. So you was the only behemoth up there? Or? No, it was It was a good much of us. It was a lot of us, actually. Well, before us, Ohio. Like, is that near Canton or uh, is it near... That's Canton? about 30 minutes from Dayton. Okay. Yeah. Wow, like... Because I always used to say, but I don't know how y'all is. We pick yet new schools out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. When I was like, driving there, like as a freshman, it was literally just cornfields. It started getting depressing. I was like, bro. But definitely happy I went through that experience for sure. Okay. So when you graduated, like what was... So besides the academic. How did you balance the rest of your life? And was it was you writing during these college years too? Or the, the undergrad or like what you was working on or had in your mind that you was trying to develop during that time? Uh, so at the time I didn't have film dreams. So I wasn't I wasn't really writing like I used to. And then to it was it was a lot of work. So I was more so doing my, Just my credits, okay. the stuff that I needed for my credits, hooping a little bit because I used to have hoop dreams too. Uh-huh. So, yeah, but I wasn't really working on nothing much outside of college. Okay, so whatever happened to the ESPN um, opportunity? You just turned that down, or yeah, because that's when I realized that hey, I as it got closer to graduation, I realized that. I don't really want to do this sports broadcasting journalist thing. I want to be more free and just create how I want to do it. You know, yeah. with journalism, it's, it's fiction and then, I mean, nonfiction. Nonfiction, and but then it's, still, it's, such it's still a nine to five hard clock type yeah, of thing. Yeah, so. and it's such strict rules in journalism that yeah. You ain't really have no freedom. And I wanted the freedom to write what I want to write on the paper. And so I went to the career development uh, people. And one of the ladies, she told me, so why not go to film schools? Because I told her, like, I want to write and stuff like that. She was like, so why not go to film school? And I was like, because me, I wasn't even thinking like that. I didn't even believe like something like that was possible. So I was still a little hesitant, even though she told me. And then I have to I have to bring up this part. I ended up talking to one of my friends, Byron, and he told me, I told him about the film opportunity. I also let him re- read a few pages of one of my scripts I had started to write. And... 
he had somewhere to go and he was late to it because he couldn't stop reading the script. And I told him about the film school stuff and I was like, bro, but that's so expensive, $36,000 for one year where I can get that from. Yeah. He's like, boy, he say, boy, listen to me, bro, say, you don't want to be the type who say, I, I shut up. Oh, I wish. Oh, I, I wish I yeah. did. And all of that just was in my mind. And I was like, all right, you know what? God can make a way to find this money. And he did. So how the money came about? The money came about, firstly, I got uh, three scholarships from Full Sail, right? And then my dad, he ended up selling a house. He ended up selling a house like a few days before it was time to start my program. And that was just perfect timing. We going back to timing. Timing, right? <laughs> that was perfect timing. And then also, like, my mom, my church family, just other family members and stuff. It was really a community effort, like a village. Everyone trying to help out. So that's what that's what really got me there. Because the thing about it is, you, what you told me earlier... You went to SCAD in 2021. This is after the pandemic. So were you already locked down <laughs> going through this whole part? When you graduated from the undergrad? Uh, May 21. Okay, so you in college. How was college being in college during the pandemic, bro? Like, I was like, bro, I was so happy that I finished. First of all, like, I didn't even get to walk, bro. Wow. That was so heartbreaking because I just went through these four years of just finding myself and growing. And that's one of the biggest things you want to do. Hey, Ania, walk across that stage, bro. And it was virtually, they told us to send a picture in for, for our picture to go, like, on it. Yeah. I sent my picture in. They ain't even put my picture up, bro. <laughs> it was just like a floating cap and it said my name underneath and i was depressed for like two weeks bro mm. that was that was a horrible experience but it was it was good you said you was on campus during 2020 mm -hmm. okay because i was like wait was i yeah because i was like bro imagine being just a lot of precautions that's all. yeah because i was like wait I was living my college years. Imagine you or last year high school. Imagine you yeah, last year high school last year college, you in a pandemic and everything locked down, mm -hmm. bro. Like that'd have been trash. So in a pandemic, you gathering friends because all kind of people, you know, lost their job, lost all kind, you know, financial setbacks and things like that. So in a pandemic, you was able to get enough funds to go back to school. Yeah, it, it wasn't me at all. It was just family. Mm. Like my that, that was really the difference maker when my dad sold that house. Mm. That was clutch. Okay. That was clutch. So with, I, I also like to ask people this, right? And I want to get your take. Mm -hmm. Do you, how did you, how did you sort of, did you feel that messianic pressure that a lot of Bahamians feel when we travel abroad and we have we carry the burden of success that we have to do this so we can make our family proud like we there hope so like if you know it wasn't a burden for me it was mm -hmm. more of a responsibility i wanted to do that 
that was the goal from grade 10. I wanted to be the one to break the generational curse. That's the goal I set for, for myself and my family. So it wasn't a burden at all. Because I, I always have these conversations with how I had them with a lot of my American friends where it's like, wait, when we come, when you see like, especially Caribbean people come to the States, like they whole family, not just parents, family, like auntie, cousins, them, mm-hmm. they send them on a mission to, hey, try to make it. So when you make it, you can pull everybody else up. And that, we, we like when I went through the process and think back on it, that's a lot of pressure. I used to date this girl, and she's like, yo, that's too much pressure. But it's like, bro, that's what we're given. So I think that's why we perform so high, because it's like, bro, I might back against the wall. I can't go for it. Like, yeah, like, you know, I ain't got time to play. And um, sometimes, I guess that's why a lot of kids, when they achieve these heights and have to, unfortunately, return back home, people have that, like, yeah, or two depression, because it's like, you feel like you failed. Mm. Like, you ain't even, yeah, you got your education, but you can't save no one. You don't feel like you can save no one from here. Like, you back in the trenches again. Yeah, and, and that's that's really what comes with chasing, chasing greatness. It's really like, you want to help, but you want to help people, mm. but you have to help yourself first in order to successfully help people. Because like you say, you could come back with your education, but you can't do much with it. And honestly, bro, I'd be lying if I tell you I didn't forget what I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) That happens sometimes. (laughs) But that's what comes with, with, with... Chasing greatness, though, you, you're going to have that feeling like everyone depending on you. Mm. And they are. But once you, once you make it, you're going to be able to feed people. You're going to be able to help your family, your friends, and the community. And so that's really what's at stake for me and my big goals. Mm. Yeah. So first day on campus, this year, master's exam. Not master's exam. You were pursuing a master's, like, what's that feeling? Like, what's going through your yeah, like, first day? Um, what did you expect and what the actual experience was? Let me tell you, I was I was terrified, but I was ready because I read some Google reviews on Full Sail. People was like, oh, you ain't going to graduate, and it's so hard. They was talking about how hard the course is. This is an advanced program. Mm. So it's 12 months, right? Each month is a new course, but the course has so much information and it's sort of like a semester of work in one month. And so they really just drop you in the middle of the ocean and you got to swim, right? But that that type of learning is what, for me, I, I can't do the long semesters and stuff like that because I learn so fast that I get bored once it's time to, you know, as it keep going. But with that one month at a time, the work coming at you so fast, you shooting films, six, not 16, like 10 to 12 hour shoots, 
back-to-back shoots. Sometimes you only sleep in like four hours, Trust maybe me, less. Yeah. Sometimes you up for 20, I mean, for two days. I've been two there. Days. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what comes yeah, with it. Yeah. And they really give you real-world experience because that's how you can be working once you get in a field. Yeah. You can be shooting overnight. You can be shooting in below zero weather sometimes you, you can write something in days <laughs> like you know so I, yeah so all of that i i feel like it was just it helped me prepare to like, prepare me for where i am now so the course is only one year one year 36k one year if anybody would like to send me off to film school <laughs> i'll go tackle that document every month like make a document <laughs> But yeah, but like, no, but that grind, that grind different. Because it's like, you know, it's not only a physical tool, it's a mental tool. And you have to stay like so keen and focused and not miss a step. No. Or whatever, because, you know, you might get, if you make a mistake, that's a large setback. You have to work twice as hard to get back. Um, Like, even like a real world experience I had recently where I'm basically liaising for rental studios from here and I got a team in Miami and Orlando they go in by I gotta delegate up until one, two o'clock in the morning. Oh, they ain't reached yet and then we go them hey, where y'all is but okay, go to this location, da 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 so it's like, you know, you have to get in a grind and what I realized too, um, from these experiences in school Mm-hmm. Sometimes you you overcome things and you take it for granted. You be like, why well, do that? But then when you sit down and be like, but that was hard, you know. But I made that look e- it feel easy yeah. now. So mm-hmm. like when you think about other things that before you, you just be like, all right, well, if I overcome this, it's gonna be easy. So why I were overworking my mind and be like, that's so hard to do. It's just like let me just go through it, you know. Um, and I think that is some of the psychology that. Everybody needs to adopt. Like, it ain't hard. It's just like, okay, this is what you got to do to get here. Let's go do it. Let's get focused and let's go through it. So, after the, you got a full ride, 12 mm-hmm. months go by. How you feel in month 11? Month 11. Because you know this is the last one to go and it's like, yo, I almost home. Month 11 was was sound, so that's where we was scoring our films, adding the sound effects, doing Foley. It was more fun coming down to the end. So it was really hard, like, from, like... Probably three to six? Yeah, so, so once we started shooting, mm-hmm. like, planning our thesis film, that's, the, that's our project, our film project we have to have at the end of the month. Once we started getting into pre-pro and then production, that's where it really got like, all right, this where the strong survive. We could see who really voted. Because like I said, you have so much paperwork you got to do for pre-production. You got to do your budget. You got to do your own yeah, scheduling. Skip, Every single you know, thing, you got to do it by yourself. Yeah. And then... And remember, keep in mind, you only have a month, really less than a month, because you got weekends, all of that. So you have less than a month to do all these stuff. And then you have to get into shooting. That's when we had to work on each other's films. And people tired, bro. We we up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Then we, we wrap at maybe like... 
say like 10 a.m., right? Mm -hmm. You have another classmate shoot to help with or your own shoot by like 12 noon or 1 p.m. You have enough time for a nap. Me, I, I never used to go to sleep because if I sleep, bro, I can I can stay asleep. If I too tired, I ain't gonna wake up from that alarm. And then I also don't drink coffee. And you know, on set, that's one of the yeah. biggest things. Don't drink no red, but take it from me. <laughs> I someone, I remember it was this time. It was like a four day period. I only got seven hours of sleep, mm. and that's because I up two, four, three o'clock in the morning drinking Red Bull. As when I lay down my heart, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. From then I stopped drinking Red Bull. So, you know, like. I say, yeah, get the coffee, you know, make sure I get your, like, vitamin B, you know, iron, sort of, like, keep you up a little bit, and then just make sure it gets your nutrition, because that's how you get sick, too. True. <laughs> but that's, that's a part of the grind, though. Yeah. I, I appreciate the, the entire grind. And then I, I just drink water on set, so people just be like, oh, are you lucky? You you could stay up without without coffee and but it's really the passion for what I doing that yeah. really pushes me over the edge. And when you don't have a passion for something, that's why you end up dropping it because once you get tired mm. and you your body don't want to go no more, what you think can kick in? That passion. That fire. That fire that I can have to get you over the hump. Mm -hmm. And so, all I need is water. <laughs> That's it. All you need is water. <laughs> Just water. My boy is calling this my gun. He said, yeah, gun. He said I don't, my gun. Uh. He's called this a gun. He said, I don't leave home without my gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, is the thesis film like up for the my general public? or I dropping that on Christmas Day or maybe Boxing Day. All right. Or Christmas Eve. One okay. of the two. So is this like a short film or just a full feature? Short film. So how long is it? It's 10 minutes flat. Exactly. Okay. okay. So based on this film, y'all basically is whether you graduate or not. Yeah, you have to bring a finished film at the end of the 12-month period. What happens if someone... Then you just have to really retake the course. You have to retake the call, like for example, the last month or yeah, whichever month you fall off, because it's so strict. You can't miss, I think, two classes, or you gotta retake the course because the classes go for like four hours and eight hour break. I mean, um, chunks. Hmm. So if you miss one day, you know that's like a lot of time gone, and you only have a month in that class. So if you miss too much hours then it's like you automatically fail. You have to retake the course. Hmm. So if you don't bring in a finished film, you just retake that CM course until you bring in a finished film. Hmm. Wow. Because this, this reminds me of when I did portfolio for uh, my undergrad. Basically, you have to have like five projects, a whole website, branding, everything. And it's like, you know, you have couple well it's pre it's pre portfolio portfolio prep and then portfolio and then you'd go into running lectures and present your portfolio and they gotta say what passes and what don't. Mm -hmm. So that whole process was nerve wracking. But like I say, but when you go through certain things like this and you really look back and you like by going through that like ain't nothing really too hard after that. Yeah. So, you know, um But tell us tell me about what how they finally graduated and graduated with honors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, because 
2022 would have been when you was done. 2022 when? When I graduated? Yeah. That was July 2022. Okay, so this past July 2022. So how did it feel finally, like, finishing the program and anything like that? Let me change this body real quick. You, but you answer that question. Okay. Mm. You said, how did it feel graduating? Yeah. So, it was a relief, but I was also so grateful because, one, I graduated top of the class, and then I just, I just was able to put myself in certain spaces, like with a Netflix documentary I did. I did a shoot with NASA. I acted and I worked on a feature film set to stream early next year. Um, I have like 20 plus short films and music videos under my belt. We shot some music videos for some celebrities. So I was grateful and, and all of that is just a part of putting yourself out there and just jumping into the, jumping into the, just taking risks really, just taking risks. So. I was honestly happy, overjoyed. Because, hold on, so from July 2022 mm -hmm. to basically now, you already did 20 short rooms? No, I did that. I did all those stuff I, I listed off within that year at first year. Hold on, so, you, so they say you only need to have one film, but you uh, did. Yeah, so... You you have to present a thesis film, okay? But you also have the opportunity to work. Also, oh, basically, other it's projects. all the all films in this class combined. So you have credits and all these different. Yeah, right, yeah right, plus right. outside yeah. stuff like the Netflix documentary, yeah, yeah, yeah. the feature, the NASA shoot, certain stuff outside of the classroom. I also have like under my belt. So the NASA shoot and the NASA. The NASA shoot and mm -hmm. the Netflix stuff happened when you was in school. Mm -hmm. Oh, you was really working. Yeah, because I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I think the whole time, okay, you busy with working your thesis film and this, like, okay, what, what, like, when did you have time to do anything else, or was it like certain intervals? It wasn't no time for nothing else, just for sale. Okay, so the the outside stuff was still school related, or this was just like. You mean the outside projects? Yeah, like the NASA film and the Netflix. The job. NASA one was school-related, Netflix school-related. Um, it's just like a lot of times Full Sail is such a, a big school that people bring projects over to Full Sail and they also need crew. And so they come to certain different classrooms and they request crew or they ask people who trying to work on something or... If you already put in so much work that professors already know your work ethic, know your strengths and where you could help this film, then they would say, hey, there's this Netflix thing coming up. Uh, would you like to work on it? Something like that. So what your primary role was like, I, like you was writer on all of these or you just did whatever you needed to do to get your foot on set? At first, I used to limit myself to just trying to write and then do like a little bit of grip. I I knew I knew like the end goal was directing because as a writer a lot of times I just go hand in hand because that's your film. No one really gonna know that film better than you. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Directors could interpret a film, but you really could see exactly what you want this film to be. And that's where I really took advantage of that in my directing talent class. That's where all as if scenarios come in. Let me do something really, really quick with you. Mm. So as a director, they have these things called as if scenario. Firstly, you don't want to tell an actor, act like you doing this. They acting. You don't mm -hmm. have to say that. That's annoying to them. Mm -hmm. They taught us about the as if scenario. So you're my, you're my actor, right? Jay, I want you to walk inside uh, as if you just got your heart broken by the girl you was with for 10 years. She cheated on you and you're also drunk. In sure. your head, you can't, you can't see that and see how you should act. No, of course, because I already plan on it now, like being over dramatic. Right. And, um, well, depending on, because <laughs> I like, guess different ways, I already seen like the different moves and tones, because I could give it to you high. And that's the fun, there, you know? that's where the actors yeah. could, could be creative and be themselves. That's what they bring to the table. You don't want to be too strict. You give them that ballpark where they could play with it. And if you like them high, you could always say, all right, let's do another take for safety. If you need them to tone it down a bit, you could say, all right, good job. But this next scene, I mean, this next take, I want you to tone it down just a little bit. You mod, but you're not that upset. It feels like you kind of saw this coming. Mm -hmm. And that way the actor, you know, all right, let me tone it down some. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, that's really where I learned directing. I, I love I fell in love with it after directing talent course. All right. Because I remember um rest in peace, Professor Teague, Jeff Teague. Like he's the guy who taught me how to write. He was the actually the campaign producer on the first time, Randy Spider Man. He had a TV show called Wildfire for four seasons. Mm -hmm. And then I think he, he wrote in Star Trek too. And he always used to say like, Okay, when you are a writer, are you either gonna produce it or are you gonna direct it? Obviously, if you write the director, like you could be a writer where you give it to the director, you expecting them to it puts your imprint and shift around certain things. Or, you know, because I pride myself on being like a writer, producer, editor. And I like editing because that's the final rewrite of a story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how I approach writing is sometimes I write it skin and bones and then I want to do table reads to flesh out certain things and then you know, get more incorporation from others and then maybe, okay, we can have a my sizable film or, you know, when I get to a point where I write something and then I'd be like, all right, I like this person's director style and I already could foresee how what their tweaks would be and it would be in line with my goal. You know, I see things or write from that perspective. But, um, but I just love this whole thing because it's like, it's literally taking the fantasy and turn it into reality and mm -hmm. I think that's what I loved about the whole like the whole process of everything but what do you what do you foresee um, as it pertains to you know more Bahamians who have these dreams and goals and actually trying to pursue them now that you got into the industry you're making a great name for yourself you then take 
the quote unquote traditional path or you figured this out a little bit later than most. With some people, like I have I have a coworker, he going he trying to get into film school where like he like nineteen or so, but mm-hmm. now he going to Chattahoochee in Georgia to try to get into GSU. So he'd be more closer to Atlanta so he can start, you know, um internships and things like that. So, you know, everybody's journey is a little bit different, but the end goal is the same. Mm-hmm. So, like, what would be some of your advice for aspiring Bahamian filmmakers? For aspiring Bahamian filmmakers, I would say, first of all, protect your dream, mm. right? Don't share your dream with too much people unless you really trust them. Because they will try to shoot it down, like we were talking about earlier. If you truly believe you could do something, don't let nobody, nobody tell you otherwise, sway you from what you're trying to do. And then also filmmaking is really trial and error. So just create. A lot of people learn on the fly. Just by shooting stuff, you learn. Once you watch it back, all right, I could have do a little better with this composition, this lighting a little bit off. I know next time I could add like a a side light, mm. you feel me, or a backlight for this certain shot. Oh, um, I don't like the static shots. We need more movement in, in certain shots. This one should be a gimbal shot. Like you learn more on the fly. Sometimes more than you learn, like, just, like, studying and, you know what I mean? Like, really and truly, you just want to create and learn from your mistakes. So, that's what I would say. But we have some big stuff coming for filmmaking in the Bahamas. Tell us about that. Because you've been talking about this for the last three months in in DM. Uh, Yeah. So, are you able to share, or is there something still more top secret? It's top secret, but I could share some stuff on it for sure. So, we have Home, Homes Rock Studio. We have a film coming to Freeport, Grand Bahama. Mm-hmm. It's an estimated 2 to $3 million budget film, right? Mm-hmm. My boss, he's from Freeport, so... I guess this kind of feels better just because that's where he's from. For our first one, I think that would be super iconic. But not only are we bringing that big-budget movie to, to Freeport, but we're also providing temporary employment for people interested, for the locals. So we would need about 60 to 100 locals for our extras and set design. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, and then my role on it, I have a few roles. I wrote the screenplay, but the story is by my boss. But mm-hmm. I wrote the screenplay. It's already been greenlit. Um, so you already have the clearances from government and have the money in hand? Yeah, we self-funded. We self-funded. All so right. we we ready to move. We actually start shooting projected in April. So April 2023. Yeah, so we actually doing a lot of stuff. But my role, not only the screenwriter on it, I'm also an executive producer on the project. Okay. Um, And so with that, I'll just be handling really and truly whatever needed 
Uh, we're at casting. I got to be there for casting, location scouting. We got location scouting coming up soon in, in Freeport. So it's just a bunch of stuff coming up. And then, too, we're going to be watching to see who we may be able to bring on board at Holmes Rock. Mm. You never know. That's why it's good to when you're on set, you just give it your all and you work because I can be watching for sure. I can be watching. I can say, hold on, Jay look like a hard worker. He he don't complain. He don't be slacking off. He he proactive. I don't have to say, Muda Apple Box. I don't have to say, Muda Seastan. He on it. It's a next shot. He already moving stuff. So stuff like that we want to see. And so you never know. You might... We might find some one or two people who who we could bring on board at Holmes Rock. So have y'all like taken this to the Bahamas Film Commission or any those involved? No. <laughs> they can hate me when they see this. Why? <laughs> no, because I get relationships over there, and you know they've been having seminars about how um, because for the 50th anniversary, I can let you know this. I know they expose this to the public yet. Or they been tea leave doing this. Well, for the 50th anniversary, they want to provide funding for different scale films in order to, you know, stimulate, I think it's the orange economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have already went through a process to where, um, I don't know if they've made the grants available yet, but they have gone about trying to source the field to get feedback as to what, you know, each category or whatever should constitute. Um, I have my own qualms with different, not really with different filmmakers, but how they go about things to where I always just be like, you know, again, how, because a lot of people may have the idea of, oh, well, we need to push to have more films on television and in theaters. And I'm like, both of those things are dying. Why you don't focus on digital? Whether it be streaming or social media or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, obviously we have the different um, film festivals and things like that, which you have had. Bahamians have projects funded from, like, you know, all the way from cons, the cons festival. Uh, and it's like, okay, you're getting the funding. Now, how are you going to market this thing? Because mm-hmm. people never always like, okay, Marketing I want a money key, for, sure. for the film. But it's like, okay, who you going to sell this film to? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's these backdoor business steps that I feel like a lot of people don't think, okay, yeah, we want to create. But this business, this money, like you just can't get money and not make it. Oh, well, I'm going to put it in this festival. Da, da, da. We could try to get this streaming deal. No, but you got to know, okay, who is the target audience? You get like, the next sort of... I don't know if that somewhat taints the writing, but you have to write with that in mind. Like, okay, who am I writing this story for? Unless you're going to have an unlimited budget and it don't matter. And you just can right. create the film. Right. I was just about to say that. But um, really and truly, budget or not, you you writing for you. Like, that's yeah. the movie you want to see. Mm. I think it was Quentin Tarantino. He said this. He said that He's writing the film for him, but everyone else is invited. Hmm. So as a creative, you really you really trying to get your story on the screen for you. You write for you first. Hmm. So hmm. but I, I excited to see like it's the premise of this film, like 
Is it a Bahamian story or is it just happening in the Bahamas? Because you know it's actually a, a local, a local film, a Bahamian film. No, I'm talking about like the premise of the story. Like, okay, is mm-hmm. this the Bahamas is the backdrop or it's about? Yeah, it's it's staged in the Bahamas. It everything Bahamian. Okay, for he sure. ain't trying to tell me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know, you know how it has to be, bro. Because <laughs> I was like, like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I get the clue. Yeah. So lastly, what do you want to leave the people? Actually, before we go there. Okay. As a writer, what do you prefer? Do you prefer a film or television? Because it's been a debate on how they're making TV, like film, and now it's like we have like 10-hour movies versus two hours because I give you 45 minutes for each episode or whatever, and then each episode I'm going to stand along as a film, but you have more time to world building flesh out characters and things like that I'm definitely mm, I really enjoy films but I feel like TV right now is in such a good place it has it has viewers in a chokehold basically Mm. like if we look at some like Squid Game you saw the record breaking watching time for that yeah. As well as um the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. Jeffrey Dahmer. I I watched that yet, but I, I, I saw. I how was that? It was it good, was sick. It was sick. It wasn't as graphic as people made it seem. But then again, to my point, it felt like a film. Like even like how it looked, mm-hmm. but it's ten hours. So you mm-hmm. like, I want to sit down because it's building on so much story. But if you sit down and think, a two hour film wouldn't do this thing justice. Right. Like, you know, so it's like, because before, like, probably pre-2000s, it used to be this big divide between television and film, where film stars was like, oh, I went through no TV. And they saw TV as this cheap thing because it was lower budgeted and everybody wanted to be on the silver screen, the silver screen. But now, yeah. how we're streaming and how, like, they making TV look like film, it's like, and then also too with film they're rehashing so much different old ideas like you don't really have in Hollywood right now a fresh new idea to where like okay and it's going like doing big numbers everything is a remake or Mm -hmm. a continuation of a big IP already that like really like or it's an adaptation of a book or something like it ain't ain't nothing original that's fair so you know, you would get more original things where the film is being aimed for the award season, but as far as like money makers or whatever, like they're not pumping out any like fresh things to captivate the general audiences. So that I think that's why theaters are dying. Um, streaming people just uh, a lot of studios goes like, okay, we gonna show it in a theatrical release and then we gonna take it to streaming because then we already know, all right? Well, most of the audience they want stream, they wanna okay, I can watch this film. And then I can watch this 10-hour TV show. Yeah, that's the move, though, because people really just want to be comfortable and binge-watch what they want to watch. So that's definitely where the world moving as far as TV and film streaming. Okay. So what's some of your favorite films? Like, would you say, okay, like, these to go to the factors to where I derive my style from or I can see some elements of my style, how I like to film make out of these films? Uh, honestly, I'm a big Titanic lover. James Cameron did a, an amazing job on that. 
as well as Saving Private Ryan, directed by Spielberg. Okay. Those two, I, I really like those two. And then, oh, did you hear about the new Tyler Perry thing that he's working on with Netflix? He's also one of my goats. Um, I don't think what what he has he has a, a Netflix film coming up called um Triple no six triple eight and it basically revolves around the World Wars the World War Two's only only female all black um unit basically. Okay. So I I can't wait to see that. That, that sounds interesting because yeah. like I know if you ever saw uh, um, Five Bloods, Five Bloods, yeah, no, the Spike Lee film with Chadwick, like one of Chadwick's last roles. Mm-mm. Like Five Bloods sort of took place where these Vietnam vets went by the Vietnam to sort of find Chadwick's character who they lost. Like he, I think he got killed. Like he was the leader of their unit, so they were searching for his remains and they found it. Um, you know, and it, it's a whole adventure with flashbacks and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of remind me, like that, based on that description, sort of remind me of that film. But you know, I like that Tyler. Um, I think because <laughs> in Atlanta back then, it was like, yo, we don't respect Tyler Perry. Like mm-hmm. you know, he make trash. Like my I had professors in it. He get oh, a bad rap, I I know. Yeah, but people didn't say the angle because he what he was trying to do is he, he was it was a qual it was a quantity or quality to build a studio and now okay I get my own studio now I can put out the quality that people think I can't do, you know if that makes sense. What, what's your favorite film from them? If you if you um, have if you have one, I love Temptation. I love um it's a good deeds. Uh, I did enjoy that. Um, did he do the which which not a to, fall from grace? You watched that one? I didn't think I watched that one. I watched the one with uh, no, it wasn't Temptation. It was the other one with Thingam, not Cookie Cookie from, not Power from Empire. Uh, I forget what the name is. With the story where homegirl try to kill your boy because he caused uh, that ain't the do uh, that ain't the one when the. When the dude was in the wheelchair and he was in the bathtub? No, no, no. This the one. I keep on... Not Angela. I keep on forgetting what her name is. But it's the story where um, basically this dude, he was developing this this tech. Mm-hmm. And he was a bum. Like, his whole family, like, the... the I forget what her name is, but hold on. Let me search up, bro. Yeah. Like, Cookie Lion. Taraji, the one, the film with Taraji was in, um, mm-hmm. where she played the wife of this dude, where she believed in him. She gone crazy, crashed, tried to call, like he was cheating on her, and crashed the car inside. Her, uh, her uh, boyfriend film it caused her not to be. She became barren, and then she just decided to leave him because. He was just stringing her on, and she was believing him. And then all of a sudden, he meet this new woman and started to believe in him. And then mm. his ideas start to get money and stuff like that. I can't remember the film, but it is it's a more. I I don't like. I always said I'm a more of a fan of Tyler's Normandia related films mm-hmm. than the ones with Medea in it. But but that's probably by design because he like okay. Oh, I like for color girls too. 
What's okay. that? Well, that's a Tyler Perry movie too, right? The Colored Girls. Yeah, for Colored Girls. I don't recall. The one with the film with um, Janet Jackson and your boy, uh, who used to play Ghost Off of Power, was like, oh, are you doing, you was doing the Bennett. Ain't nobody <laughs> paid me over. Or oh, whatever. And it had um, the other scene with you, the Mikey Ely throwing the kids outside the window. Like, you know. There's like for color right. for color girls it was a plate and uh-huh. he readapted it into okay, a film. Okay. Like, you know. So like yeah, like them three, like four, were like some of my favorites. Uh I haven't seen any others recently. Yeah, but, I gotta get get into watching some more films. Yes, Acrimony. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Acrimony. Yeah, that's the film I like. I love, even though they have it like low on the fence. But like, I, I, I like I say, I love his films. Yeah. When Medea ain't in it, that's me. Do you like any that she is in? Not really. Well, no. I like the one when I think it was when uh, Bawa was like the main character and um. What her name is? Uh, Tian Taylor was like, his girl, Byron. Like, you know. Um, yeah, but it's not, it's like the ones I really more so remember, and sometimes I conflate into one, it's like, okay, Diary, a black, my black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember none after that. Obviously, I like the TV shows, uh, Meet the Browns and House of Pain. Um, yeah, I respect his work a lot. Yeah, but I, I, sure. I respect Tyler more like, as a businessman because it's like, bro, he's like, all right. Yeah, the industry ain't me. Spike them was saying, oh, whatever, whatever. But I, I did, did build a studio and I named different songs that is after them. So all they can do is respect me and shake my hand. Like, yeah, we might disagree on what we feel like our people need. But again, going back to that whole topic, you ain't seeing what I see or where I, I trying to go to. So I hate your criticism, but mm. you will understand in the long run. I think more people understand now than they did 10, 15 years ago. Like, oh, that's what he was building. Yeah, Hollywood was giving them a buy to make these um, Chitlin Circuit films. But all this money is piling up so I can do my own thing. And uh, he's, he's self-funded, so. Exactly. You can't, you can't do anything about it. So exactly, all. you have to respect it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So everybody like, oh, okay. So you don't never, you don't hear all them the old Tyler Perry jokes people used to have like in the mid 2000s, early 2010s. So you don't hear them no more because mm. you, res- you respect game. Oh yeah, I I love the why did, uh, did I get married films too. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And they came in the, into the Bahamas to shoot shoot those. Yeah. So, you know, like we see, he actually takes two weeks in the Bahamas and two weeks I think somewhere in middle America to where he sits down, gets away everything and writes. And I was like, boy, I would love to get in a space in my career where I could cut off all distractions and just get in the zone and lock in. For sure. Like, you know. But any final words, my boy? Yeah. Um, for the people, not even just interested in film, but just people... In, in high schools and stuff, I'm going to be going to different high schools, just going in so they could they could see someone who's not much older than them doing something big. 
on that way they could they could get that motivation that they could do the same thing, you know what I mean? Um because representation does matter. Mm-hmm. They don't care about Simon Sons, my boss. He's a behemoth, yes. He do some big stuff, but basically he already passes prime. They ain't gonna be able to relate with Simon. How they gonna be able to relate with a twenty three year old behemoth? You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So yeah. I go into all the schools. I I have some already lined up. Anatol, I think CR, Sock, Sock. So, mm-hmm. but I got some big stuff coming. When y'all do go to Florida, not Florida. When y'all do go to Grand Bahama, um, two names that pop up to my mind immediately is Zania Newbold and Ariana Roberts. I don't know if you ever heard of Zania. Yeah, Sarge. Yeah, I like what Sarge doing. Sarge, oh, whenever you walking now, I saw you with me interview, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what's the next person in you? Ariana Roberts. She went to Full Sail too. Uh, she's a former graduate. Oh, I think I I saw her on a twenty twenty one Ministry Youth Sports and Culture film panel. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think am. I saw. So like that, and then also my boy Ruckus Man. From from um I feel what you no forget is it Diplite Ruckus yeah I remember him he I was because I was on the film panel this year okay and he was in the comments and he had asked about um basically how we gonna be able to get funding from from for like films and stuff from corporate Bahamas how are we gonna get the funding yeah and basically I told Ruckus that. Really is how you negotiate it. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And right. so you have to basically negotiate with them. Like, hey, when you when you, when you you make certain whatever off this film, we get 10% off the back end. That would make a, a company more inclined to say, hey, let me sponsor this. Let me fund this. But... The Bahamas, corporate Bahamas, also has a responsibility to say, let's take this risk and fund this because it ain't gonna never happen if we don't take the risk and say, all right, I believe in this story so much that I'm willing to bet my my marbles and say, all right, let me go with Jay's dream, Jay's film. I could see this working out. And so, yeah, I remember Ruckus. When you said that name, I remember that. Yeah, Ruckus. Shout out to Ruckus. Ruckus has been on the show. Ruckus, you need to drop our episode too, man. It's been almost, it almost been over a year, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you again, Reggie, for blessing everything cool. This has been a very spirited conversation. Something to listen to to start the new year. New dreams, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's a jump, man, yeah. Um, what... Besides the film in April, what other projects you have like in the pipeline? Uh, we have, we have enough, <laughs> we have enough films to last us coming for a few years. All right, that's good. That's so good. he ain't gonna tell me. So yeah, that's the rock. <laughs> we, but just know that this ain't this ain't something that that's a we just thing. gonna shoot and then just disappear. We can. We can be making movies, and as time progresses, you'll see more and more behemoths start to really flourish and believe, and maybe even work with us. So, we I got think, a lot of projects coming. 
Hey, thank you. You just got to be. Well, I can say that off. That's a conversation for off air. But thank you again for everyone tuning in to Everything Cool. This has been great. Thanks again to Reggie for coming through. Hit the number one real quick, bro. You could do. You could do whatever you want in this world. Trust me. Trust me. All right. Y'all got it. (laughs) And with that, we gone. Yeah, yeah, see. (laughs) That was good, bro.